getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome to the end of the working week for most of us. If you're carrying on working through the weekend, good luck. Good to have your company today. What are we doing? Midday Madness, predict the headline in the newspaper Monday morning. What's going to happen? Oh, so much to choose from with Ashes, US Open, Super Rugby, the, the NRL. Lots and lots of stuff going on. Predict the, the sporting headline on Monday. That'll be some fun. One o'clock, Barbara Cox, football firm number one, talking about... Uh, women's football in New Zealand and particularly that squad that went away the very first New Zealand women's football team 1975 went to the Asian Cup and won it incredible and now they've been recognised by Puma as official partners I think it's brilliant looking forward to catching up with her um, we're trying to get someone to talk about Mika Vakona uh, we're on to our fourth choice uh, He's online, he hasn't read the message yet, so I'm not going to tell you who it is. We'll see who we get. Uh, Jeremy Paul show, 2 o'clock. Jeff Wilson, uh, former All Black winger, talking this weekend's Super Rugby semis, as well as the All Black squad announcement on Sunday. Jimmy Smith is on today. So much to get through today. Um, look, the headline's coming in already. The headline's coming in already. You can text us, double eight double three. That is the Temper Bed Post text machine number. Or 0800 150 What are the headlines come Monday morning? We're midday manicing from now. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. I'm just pausing because the person I've asked if they'll come on and talk about something, they're typing as we speak. So just just bear with me. Of course, they are retiring uh, Mika Vakona's number for the Nelson Giants tonight. Um, just played a thousand games. Uh, he's saying he might still be in the air, but he's keen. He leaves Wellington at one o'clock on a flight to Nelson. I think they're 25 minute flights, Sammy. So um, we'll do some investigation. So he said yes, he's keen to talk about him. So it's Piero Cameron we're going to try and get online. So he said yes, but we'll figure out if we can get We'll try. We will definitely try. Righto, uh, we go to the lines. We talk to Mikey in Christchurch first up. G'day, Mikey. Oh, g'day, Staffy. Pumped for tonight, mate. Mm. Pumped. Um, this is a good one. I, I predict the headline will be Razor Cuts Blues Dreams to Ribbons, <laughs> dot, 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 again. <laughs> Okay, I guess that's a positive headline for you, Mikey. 100%. (laughs) Um, I'll tell you what, if if we wear um, eye patches down here, um, 
Ken and his ilk, do they wear blinkers? Blindfolds? Balaclavas? I'm not sure what they wear, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I love the banter. I do love the banter. And may the best team win. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, uh, and did I hear that Ken was coming down? Did, did I hear something about, he texted you about plane flights with five of them or something like yes, that? Yes, he did. Uh, he did say that. His wife bought well, them. Well, Ken, ma- yep, Ken, mate. Rug up it is going to be freezing. <laughs> I tell you what, this week, all week, it's almost like it's worked in the Blues' favour. It's been freezing, the coldest I can ever remember it in Auckland for a stretched period of time. So uh, they've almost normalised to it. They've almost normalised to oh, it, Mikey. No, I heard I heard something like five degrees the other day, and I thought, calm down, petals. That's just that t-shirt weather down here, mate. Come on. I had to put the heater on in the car for the first time, Mikey. <laughs> no, it's all good. Hey, uh, I'm looking forward to the show. Thanks, yeah, mate. Cheers, buddy. There we go. We'll go to Dunedin and talk to Dino. What's your headline, Dino? Oh, I've got three, mate. Awesome. It's not it's hard to pick that a broken nose tonight. I honestly think that if the Blues can't, it's going to be five more years because Razor's he don't want to lose his last game on his patch, so that I can't even see it happening. So the the, the Auckland um, headline could be the city that fails. <laughs> it's not bad. The Razors will be Razors Magnificent Seven, and in the Hamilton Herald or whatever they got up there, it'll be a party at the House of Cain. Oh, jeez, you've, you've had no time to come up with them and you've come up with three rippers. It's not hard, though, when you love the game, mate. <sighs> really, let's be honest. Like, if the Blues can't get up with eight and a half men out of the Crusaders' all-black contingent, and they've got ten, when they name this team on Sunday, they should have lucky to have two. That's how I see it. <sighs> if these young kids from Christchurch, if they get up, it'll be five more years. And honestly, Sam... And uh, Ethan will be looking at needles if Razors didn't think these kids are ready. So it's going to be a great introduction to some new young fellas. Watch this number eight from from Samoa, I think, could be Tonga, that come down to Dunedin to dental school, played one game against the Crusaders' development. Targo, the Hollanders' development, beat them. He's on the next bus to Christchurch. That's mm. how clever they are, mate. They don't muck around. I got told down here, go look at this kid at Kaikara Club Rugby. They said he was better than um, McKaylee too. I said, really? I think that kid could be an all-black. So he could have a special game tonight. It could be the 2-2 who. Mm. 50 games, 100 games, I know. But last game, what's bigger? You know, they won't lose for Razor. Mm. Fantastic. Good stuff, Dino. Love it. All good. Cheers, have buddy. Good Can't wait. Yeah. Like... Bins, oh, we've had enough. Yeah. Good boy. <laughs> Good boy. Uh, got some good ones coming through on the text machine. Um, okay, I have to fit them before they come in just in case because I you know, could stir up some emotions from Cameron. Staffy, my headline, winter is coming. Forget the first coach to lose to Argentina. Welcome to the first Crusaders coach to lose a playoff game in Christchurch. That'd be the Herald. That'd be the Herald. And they will, and they will say, "Incoming All Blacks coach becomes for you know yeah. they'll dress it up like that." Yeah, um, Hamish McLennan not surprised an Aussie team in Super Final. Oh, he would absolutely say that if the Brumbies beat the Chiefs. Not surprised, you know. 
you guys over Eddie there saying, saying we're not we're not we're not good enough to be in Super. We're in the final. How you go? We won all. Eddie Jones, he sounds like he's drunk. Yeah. Uh, Key All Black injured out of World Cup. Oh, I don't want that headline. But it could happen. We've got three teams stacked with All Blacks. Wow, we. Wow, we. Um, phone calls. More oh, the life member. Now, let me see. Let me see. Can I pick? <laughs> I want to pick Zade's headline. Uh, Blues stun Crusaders with a hat trick to Talia. Something like that? Blues win. Blues win. Bowden Barrett dropped goal and play the Brumbies at Eden Park. <laughs> Go to the Blues! <laughs> yeah, boy. Did Ken get those flights sorted out? Hopefully he did. I'm waiting for a Ken text and there isn't one here yet. He'll be listening. Come on, Ken. Give us an update. Where are you going tomorrow? Oh, and... um. And Bryce Heem's named in the All Blacks. Wow. Whoa. Bryce Heem. The Heem team. Because we're low on second fives. Oh, nice. Uh, if, if Heem makes the team, you just know one headline right around the country is going to say, centre of attention. You just and, know it. Install, as they say on the alternative commentary, install the Heem. Yeah. Okay, here's the information. Ken's just texted through. Oh, he texted it through to breakfast this morning. I'm in Christchurch, haven't seen the sun yet. I'll keep an eye out for it. <laughs> what? Well, 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 I'm not there, Ken, but go, Ken, and go the blues. Go the blues. Oh, go the blues. Is it as good as Origin? <laughs> if we can get a win over the Crusaders, of course it will be, mate. Oh, mate, I'll be thinking but of yeah, you. When I'm, 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 like, when I'm it tonight, so, yeah, yeah, It's going to be hissing. Good on yeah. you, buddy. All the very best. And that's a too cool to say goodbye. I don't mind that at all. Uh, Scott in Wellington. G'day, Scott. Hey, Steph. How you going? Yeah, good, good. Um, I've got two. Um, first one for the Ashes. Uh, David Warner, late to the party as he celebrates the King's birthday with a King's beer. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope I read that. I'd love, I'd love to read that on Monday with the crocodile tears chucked in at the same time. Yeah, that's it. Oh, I like that one. Um, and then um, Nico Hines with a um, stuff you to Brad Fittler with a 20-point 20 20 point haul against the Dogs on Sunday. Oh, if he's not motivated for this game, he never will be, eh? Yeah, oh, exactly. I think he'll have a big game just to just to prove it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm. I mean, I've always kind of favoured more towards Queensland, but I mean, I'm pretty neutral really at the end of the day. And I, I think he, you know, what what happened to him was was pretty poor, to be honest. I mean, he wasn't even given a chance in that first game, and you can't base it all on really what happened last weekend, which mm. which is a, what I think they actually did in the end. Mm. Yes. Yes. I. Uh... I just really hope it hasn't affected him because he's such a good footy player. He'll get over it, but it, he just knows the spotlight's on him for probably the wrong reasons this weekend, eh? Exactly, yeah. And I just need him to keep going because he's my fantasy captain, so... Um, <laughs> we always to get to the bottom of it. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Awesome, Scott. Thanks, man. Awesome. We're looking for the headlines in the papers on Monday. Uh, we've got some more been coming in. Australia win by an innings inside three days in the first Ashes test. Potentially, because what it's, uh, 
They start tonight at 10 o'clock. So what's that? Friday night, day one starts. Saturday, Sunday, day three starts. Yeah, so it'll be over by Monday morning if that, if that headline's to come true. Um, gosh, we've got a lot come through the text machine. Uh, from Dan, Staffy, this isn't a proper US Open with those scores. I want my money back. Yeah, well, we were talking yesterday. Uh, apparently the weather gods haven't played their part in getting the necessary grass growth around the rough with the, it's like the trademark rough, isn't it, for US Open. So it hasn't been designed to be like that, but it was just the weather didn't play its part. So it is a bit easier. So it's a slightly different kind of US Open. Um, here's another headline. Blues to march down into Chiefs territory for final clash. Nice headline. <laughs> this is a good one. Oh, this is the same person. Wild horses can't be fenced in. Brumby's on full gallop to Eden Park to meet the Blues. Woohoo! Headlines deluxe. Monday headline. Uh, blues board. Oh, hang on. It's just... You know when your mouse just doesn't play ball? Here we go. Monday headline. Blues board to meet urgently to change franchise name after another depressing loss. Oh, Richard. Razor's injury-ravid Crusaders come up short as Blues storm into Super Rugby final. They're coming in. They are coming in. Um, but I'd rather you calls, actually. Uh, I'll, I'll keep reading texts if, if we don't get the calls. 0800-150-811, opportunity to take our first break to give you a chance to call us. It is open, it is clear, and in Mark Watson's terms, first time all day, they've been clear. First time all day. First person in, first person on. After the break, 0800-150-811. What's the headline on Monday? Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Right, let's hit the phones. You can join in 0800 150 What are the newspaper headlines come Monday morning? Anything in the sport? The sporting headlines. Sporting headlines. Joey, g'day, Joey. G'day, Staff. Blash, bashing blues. Truck. Crack Crusaders. Oh, okay. the bashing hey, wouldn't blues. Wouldn't that be nice? Mm. Bashing blues, Crusaders. Hey, wouldn't that be great, mate? Oh, that'd be fantastic. Okay. That'd be fantastic. And, 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 and the other one for us, that would be Mighty Manawatu, Crack Crusaders. That'd be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> what about hey, Eth- Ethan Blackout of Science for Turbos? <laughs> oh, that'd be Fantastic, mate, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, Steph, the other thing is um, I, um, I'd like to, um, with the Ashes, I'd, I'd like to take uh, Nathan Lyon as the, the, the um, biggest wicket-taker. Okay. And, um, and, uh, and uh, Steve Smith to score the most runs and England to win 3-2. England to win 3-2? Yeah, I think the Poms with, with old Baz, Baz Ball, I reckon they'll do it, mate, on home soil. Yeah, I reckon I reckon they're going to... Now, everyone's saying Australia, because Australia, you know, did so well against India in the, in the, the one day. These test matches are totally different, you know, and I think Spin will come into it, you know. So I, I, I think Spin will come into it, but um, 
yeah, I, I think they could win three. I know taking um, Nathan Lyon, because he's Aussie, taking the most wickets. But um, I think he could take the most wickets. And, and I think still, Australia still could lose. It's going to be great. Oh, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be really, really good. And, and Staff, I, I heard, I just, I'd like to say one thing too. Um, I heard you do doing a um, little bit of commentary on the woman's... Um, what is netball, mate? Yeah. Fantastic, Steph. Yeah. Fantastic, mate. You know, no, you know, no. Well, well, they have, um, they have, um, Ricky Swinnell doing the, the, and to go over and try to do uh, <coughs> netball and that, well, you made a good job of it, mate. No, not peeing in your pocket. No, you made. I was, I was quite impressed. Oh, look, I really enjoyed it, and I think, I think that's one of the first things you've got to do is really enjoy it, and it, it's not, a, it's, a, it's a. I'm passionate about. It. I just absolutely love it and love giving the energy. I think the game deserves. So I'm pleased you caught a, a bit of it, mate. And um, and thank you for the thank you for the kind words. No worries. And go those morning turbos and go the maroons. Oh, get up your turbos. Good on you, Joey. Have a good day. So, you too, buddy. Um, one of Tony Farr's finest. Uh, currently finds himself in Marlborough. Graham. Yeah, how are you, mate? Very well. How's look? I've been thinking about you the last couple of weeks, mate. Um, you don't have to tell us how how it's all going, but just know I've been thinking about what you've been going through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually I just flew back last night back to Marlborough. I've been up there three weeks, bedside vigil. Yep. Not going well, sadly, but um, yeah, yeah. That's. I'll talk to you another day, maybe one to one when you've got a bit more time. But um, it's, yep. it's been bloody hard, Steph. I can tell you that it's been bloody hard. But um, anyway, yeah, just I appreciate your um, concerns and everyone that all their thoughts and that. Um, yeah, it's a t- it's a tough anyway, thing to go anyway, through. I know it's a tough thing, but yeah. but let's let's give you a little bit of uh, lightness in your life, Graham. What are you expecting this weekend? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, um, yeah, SEN's kept me going. Just, yeah, so, um, and yeah, just quickly on what Joey said, oh, I listened to the, to the netball when you commentator, really enjoyed it, mate. I was a little bit disappointed that Ricky got the final. I think Leslie Murdoch and is a, is a really, really good commentator, and she's done the whole season. I think she deserved to get to do the final. Mm. Nothing against Ricky, but I think, yeah, she's, She's a very good commentator, Leslie Murdoch. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Um, my um, headliners, John R. Fowler, comeback continues. He gets called into the AB squad. <laughs> injuries that they've got. That'd be awesome. It would be bloody awesome. Um, the Blues hopes dash by two red cards. Oh, yeah. Um, Akira makes a tackle, which is a spare tackle. He gets sent off, and the and Rico tries to make a tackle, a tackle, and the ref sends him off because he's never seen him do it before. <laughs> so those are the two, so those are the two red cards. <laughs> uh, but I think it's going to be a great game of footy. You know, either either team could take it. Probably the Blues are probably slightly ahead because just got a more settled team. And uh, you know, when you've got eleven starters, seven of them missing from the Crusaders, you've you're probably going to struggle a bit, I think. And Sam Whitelock's a huge loss, I think. I do too. But if the Blues can't do it this year, mate, they're never going to do it. 
And if the Crusaders do lose, I think we should stand up and applaud Scott Robertson for what he's done for the last six, seven seasons. Though that's the outstanding man. You can't, you know, we might be a bit one-eyed down here, but you can't take away from the fact of what he's achieved with that team. It's unbelievable. You know, no one else is going to do that. Can't get even close to that. I don't think. Not in a row. Not so, in a row. Yeah. yeah. Not in a row. You know, it's unbelievable. But yeah, I hope everyone enjoys their rugby and everyone stays safe and um, up the mighty Tani Far and. Um, Hang in there, mum. I'll be back in a couple of days. Good on you, buddy. Take All the best, mate. Take care, boy. There he is. He's a great, great listener, great friend of the show, Graham. In Marlborough, formerly in Northland, he's been up in Northland for three weeks, and our thoughts are with you, Graham, and your mum. Uh, we go to Ted in Auckland. G'day, Ted. Hey, Stephanie. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you, Ted. Yeah, I've got a couple for you. Um, Razor seems to blues on what could have been. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and and the other one is the Brumbies might have had better luck at Tarapa. <laughs> <laughs> Brumbies are late scratching. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that, Ted. Oh, we've got some good minds out there. Fantastic. Thank you, buddy. Uh, who's your pick, Crusaders or the Blues? Uh, I've got to go with the Blues. Yeah. Is that who you think or who you want? No, no, no. Um, I'm an Auckland boy. Got to go with the blues. All right. All right. Good on you, champion. Enjoy your weekend. All right. Yeah, you too, mate. Thank you. See you, buddy. That's Ted out of Auckland. Dale says, nice to hear on the This Warrior's Life podcast, Sammy. Love your work. You go all right too, Staffy. No, it's all right. I don't mind coming soon to Sam. Uh, love from the Hitman. Hitman killer. Chase reference versus Brad. Go the blues and go Queensland. It's from Dale. He text started off very well, ended poorly. <laughs> With Queensland. I've got one for you, mm-hmm. which I reckon you can give me some TAB odds on whether or not this is actually going to happen, right? Okay. Insert game or team here, but the Monday morning headline will be Controversial Decision Mars Super Rugby Semi Final. Uh, Red card, no try, forward pass. There'll be something, there Steph. There will be something. There will be something. In the last five minutes. Correct. I'm thinking if, if I was if I was a betting man, I would say it's going to be in the Blues Crusaders and it's going to be a last-second penalty on the hooter mm. for, for a team to win, whether it's the Blues or Crusaders, and people are going to be fuming. Mm. I've got a good one for Monday you. Monday morning's going to be easy for us, mate. Mm. It's going to be easy for us. I've got a good one for you. Yep. Neil Diamond sues Canterbury Rugby Union for overuse of song. Uses Mark Stafford as... Complaint was it? Complaint of whatever. <laughs> Headline: Warriors unbeaten again. Yes. Warriors sink by by sixty points. <laughs> Give us a yell, team. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Quickly, or should we do it after the news? I got one. For, I got another one for you after the news. Ah, oh, you've got a good mind. I can't wait for that. Johnny Mac with the news. Give us a yell though. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. What's the headlines? The sporting headline on Monday morning. Sam, I've been trying to think what your headline's going to be. I've got two of them. Okay. So the first one, and Louis nearly beat me to the punch here on double eight double three. Um, the first one is, and I'm going to say report because I feel like it will come out officially following the semi-final. So the report will be, it'll say, report, Tuivasa Shek granted immediate release. And then it'll be, news publication understands that Roger's ongoing contract was conditional on the Blues making the Super Rugby final and given I a loss to the Crusaders. 
Actually, I think it might be conditional on making All Blacks. It probably is. Mm. Oh yeah, true. So Sunday, yeah, so Sunday. So yeah, Sunday's so so it could be an early Monday morning report that comes mm. out, and then we get the official news from the Warriors on Wednesday, Thursday next week, and he suits up for the Dragons against the Dragons. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, he wouldn't. Roger's going to have to play a couple of games in New South Wales Cup, I think, before mm. he's uh, he's allowed to come back. And that was my first one. The other one was Monday morning. That's going to be day three finished in the Ashes, right? So the headline's going to be. England embarrassed in first Ashes test, Aussie win by in innings and 75 runs. That was my one I said earlier. Oh, did you? Aussie oh, win I by in innings inside oh, three it. days. I missed it. Mm. it it's, that's, you should listen it's to likely. the show, it's really I probably good. should actually, yeah. Mm. What is it, afternoons with Staffy, is it? Yeah, 12 yeah. to 3 every day. Is it 12 to 3? I thought it was yeah, 12 to 4. Midday madness. No, 12 to 3 now. Oh, okay. Brilliant. Well, I will listen to that. Um, <laughs> it sounds like my cup of tea. Um <laughs> Yeah. Do you do any sort of fun segments around, you know, big stories of the day or, or do, do you sort of called, do some nostalgia back in the day type thing? Yeah, or? we do a thing called What's Making News. Oh, my, brilliant. My producer puts it together. Okay. Is it any good? Uh, most days it's okay. <laughs> uh, it's really good when we get relieving producers in. You know what you should do? Mm. You know what you should do? This is a, a classic radio thing. You should give everyone a fact every day. In fact, you could call it fact of the day. Really? Yeah. Look, you can have that for free. You can okay. have that one for free. No charge. But back to the ashes. Now that, I can see that as a headline staff very much. Like that is, we almost need to rank these headlines. Like the controversial controversy one, I'm very comfortable with that being $1.20 at the TAB, $1.30. Um, the ashes one, it's under two bucks. No. I think so. Under two bucks that it'll be over in three days. I think, like, I th- well, it is a bit of a gamble. So maybe it is closer towards two bucks. Because I think if it goes wrong for England, it's going to go terribly wrong. Like, I can see them being 60 for five in the first session on day one. Yeah, so the team most likely to win in three days is Australia. Uh, England, I don't think, can win in three days against Australia. You don't get them out twice. Although, although, if you look at India in the World Test Championship final, apart from Travis Head, Aussie were pretty dismal with the bat. So could England sniff something? You know what I mean? Aussie call heads and head delivers. Oh, dear. Now you are really writing headlines. Yeah, I'm just like that junior headline writer. Yeah. Uh, Nothing wrong with it. Headline. Blues lost hands, keys to the city, to one New Zealand Warriors. (laughs) Dale. Dale. Just a little rack up there. Staffy, headlines. Rico sinks Crusaders with four tries and 40-point demolition. 18 Blues players named an all-black squad. Guess who? Ken. Uh, and yeah, I'm down here. Go the Mighty Blues. I might miss JP staff, but tell him we'll see him in the final at Eden Park. Actually, I wonder if the Brumbies make the final, would JP come over? I could just become his agent and see if I can get him some speaking gigs. Then he'd come over. Then he'd come over. If you've got a club that would like Jeremy Paul to speak, just get in touch. I feel like we need to... Um we need to do something special, not special, maybe a prank. on. J- we, need, we need to do something with JP. We haven't done anything for a long time. We did that prank thing initially where you slip words into conversation. So uh, we need to do something with JP. I don't know what it is, but we have to get him somehow. Maybe we need some ideas. Have People we done could, where were you with on him before? I don't think we have, genuinely. So we could slip that in there. But people will, people can text us on double eight double three. A prank on JP. Yeah, something we could do to JP just to... Not too obvious because he's <coughs> on to us. He sort of is, but I think it's been long enough. It's been long enough that he won't suspect, eh? Like, do we get an Any Jones impersonator or someone on, you oh. know? 
Who's Eddie Jones. someone he would have played with? And I'll say, Mate, I've got an old mate of yours. It's uh, Totai Kefu. But he knows Totai. He said, we'll find an old teammate and he'll say, remember that time we were in England and we went out to that nightclub and you were dancing? And he'll be like, I don't remember that, mate. Yeah, mate. That'll be good, actually. We'll find right, an we'll Australian. Scheme. We'll scheme. We'll find an Australian. I, don't, I like that. Uh, have a great time down in Christchurch, Ken, uh, by the way. Um, What is it, Justin? Bottoms clench all through the Waikato as Razor's Crew Slayers prepare for Seven Heaven. Ah, oh, so you're saying Crusaders Chiefs final. I see what you're saying there. <laughs> Tim, Chiefs send the Brumbies to the glue factory. Yeah. Uh, Dad's Army blows away hopeless blues. Anthony from Rotorua. Are they Dad's? Oh, well, John Afar, I suppose. Staff. No break dancing for Scott Robertson as Blues tap dance into final. I like that one. 0800-150-811, give us a call. Headlines on Monday. Remember that we've got the semi-finals, we've got the all-black naming, we've got the Ashes, we've got the US Open. Monday's headline, all North Island teams knocked out of Super Rugby. Blues and Chiefs knocked out of Super Rugby. Not bad. Uh, in a post-match interview, the coach used the word lessons instead of learning. Simon's from Footscray. Simon, join my club. They all use it. They all, Apparently, Luke Jacobson used it on his breakfast interview this morning, learnings. Uh, we, we knew they'd be hard to, to win here, etc. <clears throat> here's, here's a wordsmith. Here's a wordsmith joining us from Melbourne. Darren, welcome in. Hey, Steffi, how are you? Yeah, good, good. I'm thinking the headline's got to be um, radio host to head up NZRU after making far too much common sense over the last few months. (laughs) (laughs) That just popped into my head when you said this. (laughs) I tell you what, I'll bloody do it too. I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. You do it for us, not not for the money. You just do it for us. Yeah, I'll do it for the people. I'll do it for the the people people of New Zealand. Yeah, and maybe so, the money, and maybe the. I'd hold an open forum. I'd do a roach. I'd yep. go to Eden Park, uh, FMG State. I'd do all the big stadiums. Say, come and tell me what you want. We'll get a consensus. Let's get this thing rolling. Yeah, mate. You, put it this way: you'd be busy. <laughs> yeah, I would be busy, and there'd be big attendances too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, what, that's that's what I think, mate. What's your feeling of the two semis, Darren? Oh, I think the Chiefs are going to be too good. Um, I think the Hurricanes showed what they need to do and I, and I think unlike us they'll be able to do it um, tonight I've oh, really it's going to be a ripper mm. um, I it's, I'm really 50-50 because it's a depleted Crusaders side and on paper the Blues mate, they should do it they should but it's the Crusaders <laughs> so um, I hope the Blues do it but I think the Crusaders will beat them yeah that's, yeah, that's, okay. that's what I think but yeah uh, it should be a riffer. I can't wait to watch it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm the good. same. I'm actually very much looking forward to it. Hopefully, I'm driving down to Mount Monganui straight after work today, and I hope I make it in time for kickoff. It's going to be touch and go. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm. well, I don't, I don't know about you, but with um, Stan Sport here, you don't have to, you just hit, hit play from beginning. So, Well, I could get my, so I'm going anytime. to stay at my sister's. I could get her to just pause it at the start and uh, I won't be far yeah. away. Yeah, so I'm not actually here next week. I know you call nearly every day. So um, enjoy next week and the build up to the final. But I've got the week off. I've got functions. I've got paintings to deliver. I've got openings and I'm just having a week off. So always appreciate your calls though, Darren. 
So it sounds like in a classic week off, you're going to come back to work for a break. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of those. Yeah. Yeah. One of yeah. those. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, uh, all the best. And hopefully whoever's picking up the reins, maybe Sammy, I'll, uh, they've got big shoes to fill, so they better step up. Sammy's got big feet. He's doing Monday. He's doing Monday. Oh, good. All, all right, right, mate. Cool. Cheers, Derek. Cheers. Bye. Take it easy, boy. Uh, 0800 Give me your sporting headlines on Monday mornings. Papers. We'll take your calls after this. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Well, well, maybe the headlines are here, Sammy. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. I know you like surprises, so I, do, I thought I'd bring this on you. Um, with some actual headlines from around the world. No fake news here, I can assure you. So, I also didn't get through what's making news yesterday. Oh. And that hurt me in my soul, but here I am. So when I'm away next week, you know how we podcast all of our segments here. And yes, sir. Can you just send them to me? Why the, is that? The what's making news, because I like to keep up to date. Okay. Thank you. So I have a couple of stories that I didn't get to get get to get to get to get to yesterday. That I didn't get to yesterday. I didn't get to get to. Um, so bear with me if it's what what's made news and not what's making news. Okay. <laughs> so did you see Geordie Barrett um, embroiled in a fake online dating or fake dating scandal? Did you see no. that? So um, a screenshot of a fake Bumble profile was shared to a Facebook group, Kiwis in London, yesterday morning. Uh, it had the photo or photos of uh, Hurricanes and All Blacks uh, utility Geordie Barrett under the name Andrew. <laughs> Andrew is supposedly 35, not 26 like Geordie, and works in finance, according to the profile. Um, someone spotted the fake profile and said either Geordie Barrett is in town looking for some side action under the pseudonym of Andrew, or Bumble's verification process requires reviewing. The About Me section of the profile read, from New Zealand, Currently in the UK doing some work. Keen to enjoy myself while I'm here. Keen rugby player and lover of sport. Love a few drinks and going out for meals. I cook a hell of a barbecue and a roast. <laughs> That's got to be Geordie. Can That's you got to be Geordie. I'm very good friends with Geordie's partner. Oh, she yeah. will find that hilarious. Oh, I'm sure she. Um, they're all across it because it, um, someone who wrote this story went to the Hurricanes and said, can we speak to Geordie? And apparently he was like, Geordie is not making a comment on this. He is aware of it oh, and it has been dealt with or whatever. So, um, yeah. Let him talk about it. Let never the laugh. man talk. Let the man talk. Now, a big shout out. Let's give a big shout out. Big round of applause. Do I have a round of applause here? Uh... I don't. That is an oversight. I will get a round of applause on my bar. Big round of applause to Ron Twine. Yeah, Ronnie. Ronnie boy. What's Ron done? Well, the story came out yesterday. Ron is the longest serving flight attendant in Air New Zealand history, and he is retiring this weekend. I know him. Been in the same job for 52 years. I know him. Do you actually? Yeah. I don't know him. You probably bumped him onto him on a couple of flights. I, I, I was... 
I was goal lead at one stage because I flew so often. I know I know who he is. Began his career at 21 in 1970. Decades later, he still loves the job or the lifestyle, as he would say. It's not a job, it's a lifestyle. Something that I've absolutely relished for 53 years. I'm going to find it really hard not to be with my friends and my flying family after next week. His final tour of duty is flying to Canada, where he will work his last flight, NZ23, which flies from Vancouver to Auckland, lands on Monday, June 19th. He will officially retire on June 23rd. What's his name? Good on you, Ron. What's his last Ron name? Ron Twine. T.W.? Yep. I just want to get his photo up. T-W-I-N-E. That is as in the string. man. That is the man himself, Bailing Twine. I'm just going to have a look at his picture and see if I recognise him. 50 years. Do you reckon you could broadcast for 50 years, Stan? Yes, I recognise him. Yep, Ron Twine. Legend. Have you ever met Joe Exotic? Uh, not personally, just through the TV screen. Tiger King for all those people who are unaware. And that was... When I think of the early days of COVID, I think of Tiger King because it came out pretty and much as we were going into lockdown. Tiger King and Last Dance and the Last Dance, COVID. yeah, that's that's what we both that's what we got into both of those. So Joe Exotic. Now <clears throat> you might remember as well, Steph, that there were rumours swirling, and it may have even been a comment made by at the time President Donald Trump that he was going to give Joey Exotic a, yes, a presidential was. pardon. Yes, he was. Well, 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 that never happened. And Joey Exotic, who you may not know, is actually running for president. Is he? From prison. It's a big chance. They love criminals. Libertarian party or something like that. Well, uh, he's taken to social media to return serve against Donald Trump if he lands the USA's top job. Uh, He would say, I would pardon him, but after he spent at least 30 days in the same solitary confinement as any of the rest of us, so he knows how bad it sucks to be an innocent and stuck in this system. He didn't pardon me, so he's not getting a pardon on day one out of me. Equal justice is equal justice. That's what Joey Exotic <laughs> says. And I just love that we are now getting quote-unquote faux, faux presidential quotes from Joe Exotic, um, who supposedly is ranked president, and even sticking the knife into his opposition, saying, yeah, you know, mate, if I do get there, you're not getting any special treatment, Donald. Yeah. Okay. And he might need a presidential pardon, um, Donald Trump, since he's in a bit of hot water with a couple of lawsuits. Mm. That are going to stick by the sounds. Be very interesting. <coughs> he's and he's still sort of running, isn't he, Donald? As in, yeah, yeah, he's still part of the. It's crazy. Speaking of presidents, actually, mm. here's a great fact for you. Around Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. he was assassinated. Mm. Unlucky. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know if that's the right terminology, but no, he was clearly not. Um, but did you know that he was assassinated on the same day that he established the Secret Service? The exact same day. <sighs> As he established the Secret Service. Forget JFK. This uh, this presidential conspiracy is... It's a monster. It's go, it runs deep. Mm. Anyway, I just thought that was cool. I don't know. You, you don't seem cool. very sort of plus by that one. But. I'm just too scared to comment. Oh, true. US Open update. If you don't see me on Monday, you'll know what happened. Uh, still leading the tournament. Tied at eight under. Richard Fowler and Xander Schauffele. Both eight under. Uh... Wyndham Clark is on 16th. He's 6-under. Which is a record opening round for the US Open, by the way. Mm. Dustin Johnson, 5-under. Rory is 5-under through 13. Bryson DeChambeau finished 3-under. Scotty Schiffler, 3-under finished. Rory's really slowed down. He was 4-under through 7 or something. Now he's 5 through 13. That's not slowing down. That's amazing. Ryan Fox tied 15th at the moment. Got some really good texts, which I'll get to before the news. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Right, we've got <clears throat> some more headlines that have come in from you guys. 
Herald headline. Razor loses edge. Blues give Crusaders shave a burn. That's not bad. Uh, JP will be confident the Brumbies are bringing Nick Berry over with them. I'm going to save that for JP. Uh, Barrett's Blues finally get a clue. Alvin, that's good. Barrett's Blues finally get a clue. Ryan Fox wins US Open. Kevin. It won't have been finished, but I like that. Um, Phil, I can't read that, but I do I do think it's funny. Uh, for me, runs, Manus, wickets, Boland, Aussie win, 4 nothing. Dave from Lincoln. Uh, Blues get up for Graham. I think uh, he wants Chiefs, or I don't know if I don't know what that word means, so I don't know if I'm allowed to read it. I feel like it's a rude word. The top one from Gareth, Sam. Don't read it, he said. Don't read it. We've got the first ever football fern after the news. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Now, one of the best stories in recent memory came across my desk earlier this week when the huge global company named Puma connected with the very first Football Ferns 1975 team, the first time a New Zealand team went away, well, first time they ever played, was named. It was 1975. They went to the Asian Cup and they won it. They won the damn thing. Um... And they connected and got in touch with all of the original football ferns and they produced a video. So these football ferns who now are in their sort of 60s, 70s, I'd imagine, um, came together and they were all handed a letter from Puma. And this is, there was a video produced. We're going to play the audio. It's pretty damn cool. Dear Sandra. Dear Marianne. Dear Barbara. It is with immense joy and gratitude that I welcome you to the Puma family. As the general manager of Puma Oceana, it is my honour to personally welcome you to the team. Wow. It is because of your sacrifice and determination that women's football in New Zealand has grown to what it is today. <laughs> you fought against gender stereotypes societal norms and the recognition you deserved. Your determination and bravery have not only made you pioneers in the history of New Zealand football, but also true champions of gender equality and women's empowerment. Your journey wasn't easy. From having to fundraise to using the headlights from your car to train at night. You are the trailblazers who not only paved the way for today, but future generations of female footballers. And your enduring legacy will continue to inspire players for years to come. 
with deepest respect and admiration, Daniel Pancho Gustine, General Manager, Puma, Oceania. Mm. Got a big lump in my throat. <laughs> nice, that is really cool. Absolutely fantastic. Makes you feel warm and fuzzy, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's wonderful. Sort of a bit of a, yeah. Makes you stop and really sort of hits home, doesn't it? No. For, for about 40 odd years, that Asian Cup that we won was never even recognised. We weren't asking for for the world, just, hey guys, this is real, you did this. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's always been that we have felt that we were the pioneering women, uh, you know, football in New Zealand, and we helped turn a corner, but we turned that corner and then it ended up being a dead end. And the fact we actually, against all, you know, adversities, we actually did our talking on the field and we brought that cup back. We put New Zealand football on the map. Football's such a fantastic game. It really, I loved, I loved it. I loved, you know, in a stadium, hard game, and I'd look around and I'd breathe in deeply because I could feel the energy of the crowd and it was just like, this is my home. No, that's lovely. Do I get to keep it? You do get to keep it. Mm. I'll put that in the fringe, shall I? Yeah, you can certainly keep it. So this is nice. Do I get to keep you this? Get to keep that, yeah. Ah. Yes, I get to keep the letters and we get to keep telling the story. Well, I knew nothing about the story. I think it is a fantastic story and they do not need to be forgotten. Um, and it is a real pleasure now. Uh, Barbara Cox, she was the captain. She's football fern number one from way back in 1975. And it's a real pleasure chatting to you today, Barbara. No problem at all, Mark. Uh, 1975, the first football ferns team headed offshore. I've, I've intentionally done no research, Barbara. I want you to tell me right from stage one, what women's football like looked like in New Zealand prior to this trip in 1975? All right. Okay. So I have to go back a little bit in history. So women's football was played in New Zealand in the 1920s. So most of the major cities, Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch, did have teams and there was a rep game between Wellington and Christchurch. And then for various reasons, but mostly based around um, notions of femininity, it all died. So it, then in the 60s, we had um, some of the National League clubs had their um, friendly games um, prior, so the wives or girlfriends of the National League players. And it wasn't until in Wellington in 1972 that uh, women actually started playing in what we call organised football, organised competitive football. And then in 1973, uh, Auckland started. And we started with 10 teams at it became very, very popular, and within sort of the one year, um, Auckland numbers had doubled. And then in about the middle of 1975, um, it was actually the Auckland Association received a letter from 
uh, Hong Kong or the Asian Women's Confederation inviting us to the first um, Asian Cup. So um, with the efforts of the late Harry Dodds and the late Roy Cox, they set up uh, a New Zealand Women's Football Association and the first job was obviously tasked with getting the players and raising the money to get there. And that's how the first team was formed. So did you have like official New Zealand trials or did they just pick out of the best players that were available? How, how did you settle on the final squad? The um, That was actually decided between Wellington and Auckland because at that stage it was those two associations that were already in existence. And, you know, obviously no money. It was a, a newly fledged um, organisation. So the coach of um, Wellington, which was the late Dave Farrington and and Roy, um, picked the players between them. So eight came from Wellington and seven came from Auckland. So fundraising, how did you, because it wasn't cheap, um, it wasn't a regular thing, international travel back then, and certainly not for a New Zealand women's football team. How hard was it to, to raise the funds? Um, if I remember, the government gave us $2,000. We all contributed $100 each, and then we went out and fundraised. Now, in Auckland, we had these little boxes, and we'd go down the streets and and ask people to, to donate. We did car washes, and then... Probably the worst thing we did was we went into pubs and shook our boxes and said 20 cents a kiss. <laughs> oh, that's... <laughs> that's not perhaps a good idea to do these days. <laughs> I know, I know. So you, you jump on a, you jump on your transport, you all get together as a group and you're off to the Asian Cup. Where was it played, Barbara? In Hong Kong and on the island um, in their national stadium. Wow, that must have yeah. been just such a different thing for you women. Oh, it was like, well, well, particularly, I don't think any of the players had had been to Hong Kong. Several of the players, um, like the Swiss sisters, Marilyn Marshall and Debbie Leonardis, and I think Kathy Hall had all represented New Zealand at softball. So that obviously... Um, been more exposed to international competition. But for the rest of us, it was completely a new experience. So and I, it was an amazing one. Oh, and, and and you won the bloody thing, Barbara. I, guess, I know. Was that beyond your wildest dreams? <laughs> well, I don't think anyone went with any expectations that we'd been, we would be that good. And of course, as as the tournament progressed, and we obviously got more and more confident, um, yeah, the final game was really hard fought against Thailand, as was the semi-final against Australia. So, yeah, you can imagine we were over the moon when we finally came off on that game and ran round the, the stadium with the trophy and got pelted with fruit and a few <laughs> cans <laughs> because I don't know people didn't realise that the, the Hong Kong people strongly gambled and they had all picked the Thai team to win. <laughs> so when we won, they weren't happy. 
Oh wow! Uh, you must have had some good players in your squad who got who got better quite quickly during the tournament. I think. Well, we were probably um, quite athletic. We were definitely, I think, stronger physically than the other teams, um, and. It's, it's difficult to say. I think definitely the, the Malaysia, Hong Kong, and I think Singapore, they were definitely probably disadvantaged because they were smaller and less fit. Mm. But the Australians and us and Thailand, who evidently had trained together for six months before coming, and they were all from the local army, I think, either the army or the navy, so, um, and I think because we'd been playing for two years, it was the end of our season, so we were all quite match fit. And um, yeah, I think I think we we just went out and played, and we had a very good striker in in Marilyn Marshall. I think she scored six goals in the tournament out of the games we played, and I think pro rata that's one of the. Um, highest sort of goal scores for an individual. So you returned to New Zealand with, with the Cup. What was the reception, if any, when you got back to New Zealand? Well, we had an excellent reception. We had television there. Um, we had a, a media conference held actually in the airport. And the resulting publicity, that's what fueled the growth right around New Zealand. Were you con- so with it, yeah. Were you conscious that um, probably not immediately, but in the ensuing years that what you'd done over there in Hong Kong really did open some doors and some interest, like both media, participation, etc. I think that between the 1975 result and the, the results in the 80s, which were, um, we went to the, uh, which was also organised by the Asian Women's Confederation, the World Invitational Tournaments in, in Taiwan. We did really well there, like getting um, second, fourth, and then second equal in the three tournaments we went to. But, you know, the whole, I mean, by that time, uh, women's football was termed the fastest growing sport in New Zealand because nearly every province had their own women's football association. The schools now were all set up and, and had their competitions. So it was a, a very, a, a, the publicity all held. And of course, it's a fabulous game for women to play. Mm. So, yeah, and then we had a national tournament where all the provinces came once a year to, to play. Um it was a, it was, yeah, it, and the, I think everything got. I mean, I know when we held the national tournament in Auckland in 1984, I think it was, we had um, a press conference before we started, which was very well attended. We we got a lot of publicity, probably more than actually we the teams are getting now. When, when you look back at that time and um, we, we played out before this interview the the piece, the video that's gone worldwide oh, yeah. with, with the recognition from Puma. Um, mm. 
what was your initial reaction to that? Did it take you back to the, those very early days? Did it put you where you are now? Just go through the emotions because you all were very emotional reading a yeah. simple letter. Yeah. And, and, well, for me, it was a beautifully crafted letter because it actually encapsulated exactly um, the emotions that, that we all felt. And, I mean, joined with the fact we hadn't seen each other most of us for nearly 50 years. So that was emotional in itself. But I think it was because we got the initial um, reception and publicity when we arrived back. And then it was basically sort of like put on the back burner and nobody ever heard of us again. Mm. And and this is why the players are, are, are most appreciative of, of what Puma has done because suddenly – there's a worldwide company that's turned around and said, hey, this is a great story. Um, let's recognize these people as the, the originators, and that's what they called us, the, the originals, um, of women's football in both New Zealand and Australia. And that's something that can't be taken away from any of you. No. Wonderful woman and the sacrifices and the and the doors and the windows you had to break down to get through there yeah. and to go away and win your first international tournament. I just love the recognition that you're you're now getting. I think it's well overdue, but holy yeah. heck, it's better late than never, Barbara. <laughs> you know, when you look at it, and, and this is why, you know, I, I'm really impressed with Puma because, you know, I think we're taking a bit of gamble. I mean, we're all in our sort of, I think we range from 68 to 78, and to sort of suddenly be termed a partner of such a prestigious company. I mean, it's so unusual. And I think that also is what touches our hearts as well, that even though it's nearly 50 years, suddenly, you know, we're getting recognition. And for the players, it's like, oh, my God, this is just amazing. Well, uh, football fur number one, Barbara Cox, it is richly deserved. It's overdue, but I'm so pleased it's happened um, to be recognised by Puma and now recognised by New Zealand for, for your sacrifice, your commitment, your achievement. Um, all those years ago, uh, it's no less important these days. And I'm assuming, I'm guaranteeing you are so excited to have the FIFA Women's World Cup here and you can just give yourselves a little pat on the shoulder that 50 years ago, or whatever it is, 48 years ago, um, someone had to get the ball rolling, and it was you guys. You should be very proud. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Mark. That's a lovely compliment as well. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Now, Sammy, I've seen ref blaming um, after games. You know, he cost us that game. We've got a ref blame before a game. Oh, here we go. Mikey G. Yep. Staffy, I've just seen Angus Gardner as the ref for tonight's game. Well, the Crusaders have lost that game tonight. I told you. Controversy. Well, well there will be some controversy. Mm. Controversy. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. I wouldn't be surprised if it's tonight either, given that it's in Christchurch and it's going to be hostile, etc. cetera. Mm. Yes. Um, there were some headlines that I missed. Well, I didn't miss. I just uh, ran out of time to talk about them. Sure. Not enough room <coughs> in the paper. Not enough room in the paper. Uh, Fozzie stuns rugby world with four new caps in the All Blacks. Who would that be? 
wholesale changes is Foster na- doesn't name a single capped All Black. <laughs> okay, so there you go. Imagine that, just oh. a, the baby black. You get a cap. You get a cap. You get a cap. Everyone gets a cap. Um, Mark Tilly has been capped, hasn't he? I'm pretty sure he's been capped, so he wouldn't be one of the four. I think he had has a game. Has he been capped? I think he had a game last year. So who, who can who can give me the info faster, you or the Temper Bear Post text machine? Um, he has played two games. Oh, two games. So he's had a cap. Can you guess who they were against? Uh, in, uh, England? She doesn't say. Argentina? Oh, okay. Um, so I'll, he's, f- I'll find out. Oh, he got named at 14. Starting, uh, Scotland. Scotland. Just one. He scored two tries in his debut. Oh, he's... On the podcast with um, with our mate, I went. I was on a podcast last night, um, and I, you know how I come out with weird things. Yeah, he asks. He basically has. He spends a hundred and one pounds a week. His yes. his podcast called Ferg One Hundred One or Bet One Hundred One or something. So he spends a hundred pounds, and his guest spends one pound. Yeah. So he said, "What's your pound on?" And I said, "Take Mark Tillier first try scorer, twelve dollars." And he said, "Why Mark Tillier?" So he's, Top try scorer, and I said, no one seems to be able to tackle him. He must be covered in coriander. And, and I don't know why. I was thinking soap, yeah. but to some people, coriander tastes like soap. Yeah. Um, and he sort of got it. And he awarded me line of the week. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, do they call it coriander over there, or do they call it cilantro? No, I think it's only in the United States of America cilantro. Is cilantro. Is it, is it different, cilantro and coriander? Same thing. Same thing, eh? Same yeah. thing. Same thing. Um, so yeah, we we had where's the other headlines I had here? Uh, I can't find them now. They're too far down. Uh, still to come. I won't bore you with me looking for those. Still to come. Um, we'll take some news very very shortly. We'll have a quick TAB update. Um, but not far away, we're going to be talking to the great man Piero Cameron. Now Mika Vakona, just an Incredible servant to the Breakers. I think he played at Cairns. Um, he's played overseas, but he had a thousand games for the Nelson Giants, and that's why Piero Cameron's. This is the importance of the great man, Bukit Fakona. They're retiring his singlet at the Nelson Giants game tonight, uh, which is live on Sky. And the great news is um, they are taking the ceremony and the broadcast. So it's immediately after the game in Sky going to stay on air to retire Mika Vakona's singlet or jersey or whatever you call it. Uh, I remember I watched uh, the Reefton kid, Phil Jones. They retired his singlet in 2014. Then he made a comeback and played another couple of years and then they retired it again. So they are all descending on, um, they are all descending on Nelson to pay homage to Mika Vakona, which we are going to do as well with Pera Cameron. He's on a plane right now. In fact, I hope he's landing about now. So we've told him 1.50, we'll talk to Pera Cameron. But it's coming up 1.30, which means Johnny Mac, do your thing. Time to talk some TAB odds and sods. But before we do that with Brendan Popperwell, 
I know you were at a charity fundraiser the other night for one of the schools in your local area as the master of ceremonies, probably auctioneered, um, maybe even auctioned yourself off for a cheeky little brunch or something. And I'm, I'm very excited that you did auction off a junior sports broadcaster for the day from the school and they're going to come and join me one day in the near future, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, mate, that's exactly right. Um, so, yeah, great opportunity for um, I think they're bringing along a couple of mates to come along and sit in, uh, alongside you and just watch how it all works. And, and that's what it's all about, trying to bring young people into the industry to be able to see how something uh, that maybe feels like it's not within their grasp, that maybe in a few years' time they want to go to broadcasting school or something like that. So, um, yeah, it was a great night. We actually raised pretty close to $40,000 for a small country school. So it was... Um, it was a pretty neat night, and um, yeah, I don't mind getting out there and trying to be an auctioneer because it's nothing that I actually do in my actual day job. So it was quite cool to uh, get up there and um, yeah, try and be Steve Davis for the night. I'm doing it tomorrow night at a fundraiser in Mount Monganui, and I'm a uh, the the thing you do is the very first thing you say is I'm not an auctioneer, but I'm going to give it a red hot go, and you just get them on side, and then you ask for sympathy bids because I know I'm a terrible auctioneer, so that, that's. The, that's the tactic I use. Uh, US Open, it's still going. Um, I know you love a little bit of a dabble in the US Open golf. Have you extended the wallet for a $5 on somebody? Look, I actually had a little bit on Bryson um, before the tournament started. And um, one key thing I liked about Bryson DeChambeau is that he was there at an early tee-off time. And it did look like it was going to suit some, some bombers, uh, you know, especially the, some of the fairways were fairly open. And look, he's, he's had a good round first up. Uh, didn't mind Max Homer because of his uh, sort of home course advantage or had the most advantage in terms of knowing the course well enough. Look, I did stumble across an interesting um, podcast yesterday and I can't, I can't even remember, I just found it somewhere, but it was, they mentioned two players, Xander Shuffle and Ricky Fowler, uh, to have something on. <laughs> I, uh, I woke up this morning and was like, kidding me? Like, um, <laughs> top of the leaderboard. Their um, subscribers are going to go through the roof. Yeah, and I actually haven't done anything about it either because I think Ricky Fowler was at a crazy price. But one little um, piece of information around Ricky Fowler, um, the man that said it, I haven't got his name or anything, but he suggested the Open uh, in a few weeks' time. At $51, Ricky Fowler uh, might be a price to take. He just thinks that all the baggage is gone in terms of he hasn't won a, a major. It's all been released and he's been playing some good golf in recent times. So maybe you could explore the 51s uh, in the Open Championship, which is coming up in the middle of July. Geez, I don't know what to go next. Super Rugby semis, uh, NRL, uh, Ashes. There's, there's just so much on. So, yeah, let's go Super Rugby. Let's stay close to home. Yeah, Super Rugby, first of all. And, look, the Blues are taking money, uh, staff. They're 235 their price. Uh, and they, they, they're starting to get very well backed. Crusaders, 160. Been a little stagnant with the Crusader money. We've seen a big bit of $2,000 come through on them. But overall... Um, dollar for dollar, it's with the Blues uh, at this stage with where things sit in the head-to-head. Now, here's an interesting bet. We're taking a $10,000 same-game multi uh, in the Blues game. Crusaders to win, total points under 66.5. The points start Blues plus 14.5, and and first half total tries over 1.5. There's a bit to unfold there in that same game multi for a lazy ten thousand dollars. That's to return forty thousand. I tell you what, Sammy, he loves the same game multis. He he strings together eight or nine legs. Uh, Sam, running your ears over that? Did you like that? Well, 
I mean, I just I'm not throwing ten grand on mine, Steph. That's probably the key difference. So my <laughs> odds sit at about sixty to one, whereas his what four to one. That's you know, yeah. Wow, make <laughs> it entertaining I, at least. Up, yeah, I get caught up taking the try scorers and taking one too many. And yes. I guess a game like the Manly game versus the Dolphins the other week. That was a great game for same-game multiplayers that love to take eight or nine and hope that they hit with doubles and, and what have you. Because, I mean, Manly scored 50 points and even the two try scorers from the Dolphins were the Hammer and uh, and obviously uh, Asako. So that was a game that maybe uh, might have been out there for same-game multiplayers. But, yeah, that one, you're cheering for some tries in the first half. You're hoping the Blues can stay in touch. But you also want the Crusaders to win and not to win the game by more than 67 points in terms of total points. There's a bit to unfold. Sure is, mate. And Ashes, uh, what are we? We're about eight hours away uh, from the first ball buying bold. And I think potentially the most anticipated Ashes for a long, long time just because of the stylistic change brought about by one uh, Brendan McCullum. Absolutely. And um, look, we have seen some money for England. Their $2.50 quote, all the money centred around winning the Ashes is with Australia. Uh, There's uh, a number of sort of different 4-1s and uh, then you've got to factor in weather and things like that as well. But overall, Australia to win the Ashes is the favourite option and they're 226 to win the first Test match. Interesting what England have come out and said. They've told all the curators out there uh, that we just want fast wickets. We We want pitches so we can get out there and score quick runs. But you have to remember on the other side of the coin... Australia have got the top three batsmen in the world in their team in Manus Lavashane, Steve Smith and Travis Head. So uh, could this be a run feast uh, coming up through the Ashes series? That's what the English are hoping for. Uh, Joe Root to score a century in the first innings uh, has been boosted to $6 and we've seen some traction around that particular market price of $6. And Kawaja, top Australian first innings run scorer, has been boosted to $5.50. Haven't quite seen the same sort of traction on that option uh, as for the Joe Root option. But, yeah, boy, it's going to be a great series, Steph. And what's the big one in the NRL? Which one's which one's copying most traffic? Cowboys. Cowboys tonight. That That is the one team that punters want to have a bet on. They were 250 Now they're $2.07 uh, are the Cowboys against the Panthers, who were forever drifting and now are out to $1.72. So if you're looking to try and kick off your multis, maybe either the Cowboys plus 2.5 We'll find another line that's in your favour, or if you're liking them to win, as I said, at that 207 price. Beautiful, Pops. Enjoy the weekend. It's a great weekend of racing and sport. You enjoy. Thanks, Steffi. You too, mate. There he is, Brendan Popperwell. Look, it's the time to download the app because there is so much sport and racing on. Oh, what was that? What was that, Sam? I just about choked. Um, Masashi um, Protein Bar from Chemist Warehouse just arrived this morning. Delicious. Uh, yes, tab.co.nz or the app. Um, all of these things here. This Sweden against the All Whites is in there. Didn't even ask him about that. Sweden against the All Whites. Let me just have a little click. Uh, Sweden dollar twenty two. New Zealand ten dollars. Okay, we'll take a break. We'll come back after that. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. We go now to 18 and Dustin Johnson, Greenside Bunker. It's a long shot. It's about 40 metres. It's got the sandwich in hand. Bit of play. It's got to give it a bit of air. So Dustin Johnson, um, he's on the last. 
Seven under. He needs to get a birdie here to join the leader. I don't think he's going to make a birdie from the bunker. But the leaderboard as it stands, Fowler and Chauflet are eight. Look at the guys roaring up the leaderboard now, though. Uh, roaring. Rory is six under, two to play. Dustin Johnson playing the last on seven under. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau finished at three. So there's a bit of a... We've got two on eight, one on seven, two on six, one on five, and then we're down to the threes. So there's a little bit of a gap at the top with Fowler, Chauflet, Johnson, Clark, McElroy, Harmon, and DeChambeau. As Dustin Johnson just digs his heels into the stand, gets himself a bit of a foot, wide open sandwich, decelerated on that, and he's just made to the edge of the green. Picks up a little bit of pace, but he's left himself about 16 feet for par. I say he'll miss. I say he'll miss and finish at six. There is my prediction. Now, we do have to get an ad break away very well, in fact, now, because Pera Cameron's just landed in Nelson. Fingers crossed. I should have checked the Air New Zealand website, actually, to make sure it landed on time. He's flown over from Australia to acknowledge uh, a wonderful playing colleague and, and I'm sure a very dear friend, Mika Vakona, is having a singlet retired. Mika Vakona, just such a storied, long, long career, and he's being recognised at his, at his, well, his breeding ground, really, where it launched his... Uh, incredible basketball career in Nelson, retiring a singlet tonight. So Perio Cameron will come up after this. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, we are just patching through to Piero Cameron. He is here. He has landed, um, but there's an issue with the sim, so we're calling him. Oh, we've got him. Have we got him? we got the great man PC, Piero Cameron. Jeez. Good <laughs> but, afternoon, Steph. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, look, I'm, uh, I was just saying before we called you, just before the ad break, that um, the measure of what Mika Vakona means for New Zealand basketball has brought a lot of his old teammates uh, from around the world, really, to come and celebrate the retiring of his singlet. Can you take us back to when you first met Mika and, and started playing with him? Man, he was just causing anywhere down the stenums and just getting every rebound available. He was a menace, a menace to everyone and just, you know, courageous. And, you know, later on, he was a leader. Uh, within our team, uh, just amazing career. You know, we, we've seen him do some amazing things with, uh, like the breakers, for instance. He come back with that really bad leg injury. He turned around and played the very next game. I think that was against Perth, and he shouldn't have played, but he came out and he inspired his group, and they went through to win that. Just a lot of things um, playing next to the man and. This is a well-deserved tribute to what he's done uh, for our sport and, and for our country and, and and great to recognise him in front of his family. Yeah, he, he's like, to me, you get two types of professional athletes. He's like a silent assassin. He never really got overexcited, never really got overly down. And when you've got a guy that just rolls his sleeves up, and I, didn't he do something amazing after appendicitis and went into isolation as well just to come and play for Nelson again? Yeah, there's, there's so many things he's done. It's just, it's unbelievable. Uh, and, and this is, 
you know, it's great that they're recognizing him down here. He changed the whole thing down here, coming down to Nelson and, you know, and taking championships and just doing doing great for the city. Uh, and it's going to be really fun to recognize him. Uh, he's, he's got some kids who are pretty good. Uh, they're tearing up the um, the basketball and the rugby scene over there in, um, in Queensland and uh, Brisbane. Uh, mm. So look out for them, especially the older girl, Gia. Uh, we're keeping an eye out for her. And um, the boy as well, Noah. So really good to see. It's interesting. We contacted Hugh Bainan to get Micah's number, and he gave us his number. We messaged him. He read it and didn't reply. And I, and I, <laughs> I messaged back to Hugh, and I said, I don't, uh, Micah's read our message, but I don't think we've got much luck chatting to him. And he goes, that's typical Vina, uh, Vicar. Hates the limelight. D- is he going to squirm with all the attention tonight? Yeah, he, he, he's not liking it. He hasn't picked up the phone the last two days and uh, the whole group chat from the last sort of 10, 20 years of just killing him online. Uh, he won't reply. He will not reply. So it's going to be fun. Uh, we don't want to poke the bear too much, though. If they hand him a mic, he's going to have to say something. <laughs> <laughs> he's just so good, mate. This is a great thing for us. Uh, he's, he's done a lot for all of us on his own back and he's he's led from the front and even the quiet conversations he's had with everybody he's just been amazing you know we saw him early when he first came through and we knew he was going to be able to lead uh, for many years after and he was so sought after I know there were a lot of teams he had that stretch of 2010 to 2018 at the breakers and he was just so sought after so solid in defence he was always in defensive players uh, he was a five time NBL champion New Zealand NBL champion he's just a champion bloke does does he ever loosen up and let his hair down a little bit or is he always quite conservative pretty conservative to me uh, he's always working, you know, he's always doing something. If we're on tour, he's doing school stuff, he's finishing uh, papers and, and assignments. He's always doing something, you know, he's always planning and doing things. And, you know, he, he's running a number of different businesses and got his hand in there with the Tassie team, the Jack Jumpers there. He's also with the Spartans up in Brisbane. And, and also we know he's helped leading that, that group in um Franken Bulls, and you know, they've been a surprise this year. Um, so he's always doing something, and it's great to see. And he's opening up many doors and pathways for um, our Kiwi guys to get into the different leagues. It's great to see. So, is he could we sort of relate that he's a bit like Richie McCall, man of few words, but those few words are golden? Yeah, he's, I mean, he is a man of few words, uh, but he's. You know, when the moment arises, he speaks up mm. and he tells you and encourages you and he, and he leads from the front and, and is the leader of, of that group and all his groups, he's been very demanding in his high expectation, uh, but also um, he helps you get through it too. So just really good to have him in your corner. It's really good. Does he make Piero Cameron's starting five of career opponents and teammates? He's uh, he's way up there. He just all in the stuff you don't see. Mm. He leads in that. You know, that's where he leads. He leads in everything that it's not recorded on the stats. And somehow he does all things that matter to winning. 
you know, that's there's a lot, a lot of intangibles that he's very good at, and he recognises it, and now he's taking it across to the business side of things and helping young Kiwis uh, and, and athletes everywhere just be better. So it's great that he can transfer those skills uh, to where, to his work. Just He's awesome. We have him come in and chat all the time. And finally, we've had a few people text in saying, what's the great man PC up to now? Mate, just getting ready for the World Cup. Uh, we got a couple months ready. Uh, waiting on this NZBL to come into the finals weekend. Uh, waiting for guys in Europe coming back. Um, guys finishing college. We just, we just want to get together and get that connection. Have you so, run? Have you run? St- planning. Have you rung, st- rung Steve Adams yet? <laughs> yeah, he's man. He's dealing with a really significant knee injury. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it is what it is. Not this year. Yeah, not this year. PC, I really appreciate you stopping by the uh, New Zealand Corridor Lounge, picking up the Wi-Fi so we can call you on WhatsApp. <laughs> I appreciate it, but that's a measure of what Mika means to you. It means to basketball in this country. Thanks heaps, mate, and have a brilliant night with your Cheers, old mate. Steph. Appreciate you, buddy. Cheers, Take boy. Care. There is PC Pera Cameron, uh, who will be guiding the Tall Blacks to the World Cup as well. And... Um, Interesting to hear he's in comms with uh, Stephen Adams. I had to chuck that in. I had to. But yeah, Mick of Akona, one of the greats. And um, someone's texting saying, Staff, last weekend they unretired Phil Jones' jersey as his son made his debut for the Giants, and it was Phil that insisted his son wore his number. It's a wonderful community, the basketball community. Jeremy Paul's coming up after the news with the Jeremy Paul Show. Already got a couple of questions in from him. He loves the listeners' questions. So get them in on the Temper Bear Post Text Machine, double eight, double three. Here we cock a hoop that the Brumbies are in the semis. Stick around with us, Jeremy Paul next. Getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. people that took Rory McIlroy to be bogey free in round one you were great for 17 holes bogey the last oh. but he's five under he's finished five under so Ricky Fowler eight Xander Schauffele eight Wyndham Clark Dustin Johnson Rory McIlroy all six and Foxy's at two tied 13th come on Foxy go you good thing we'll be able to watch him tomorrow we'll be having afternoon tea offs good stuff um, after we've watched tonight's semi-final in the Super Rugby Pacific Rugby it's time folks it's time to talk some code because the great man's on hold it's time for the Jeremy Paul show with your hosts Mark Stafford and Jeremy Paul oh the great man Jeremy Paul Paul in the corner Jeremy Paul wins it for Australia (laughs) <laughs> Remember that, Troy? 
Mate, I do. I remember it incredibly well because I remember walking back to halfway thinking how I was going to be cheered into Bill Young's pub on people's shoulders, going to drink for free. I just won the Bledisloe. Thanks, Jonah. Scores <laughs> um, in the corner. Oh, what a game. What a game. What a game. Ah. Uh... Brumbies, mate. Um, it's just Ooh. it's just open mic day about the Brumbies, isn't it? Um, what a brilliant, brilliant game last week for your Brumbies brethren. Do you know that we we got a we got a group chat of us old, or we call ourselves the Knackery, right? Like where horses <laughs> go to pass away, and um, we uh, yeah we love a good chat, right? There's very rarely actually talk rugby, but. Um, after the weekend, you know, all the old boys were just super proud of the effort. Mm. Like just that effort of of that try line um, desperation is, and that's that's what semi final footy is all about. Staff, like it's 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 how much and and what you're willing to do to win, and you know to sort of see. Geez, I tell you what. <laughs> If they had another angle, oh, was it a try? Like, oh, oh, geez, that was close, wasn't it? But exhilarating. It was a good, it was a great showcase, just to show. And it was, it's the big four, right? We we knew top four teams all year. Um, we knew they were going to be cracker games, and wow, um, yeah, so good to get there. Um... Someone says uh, JP will be confident because the Brumbies are bringing Nick Nick Berry over with them. There you go, sixteen team, sixteen uh, in your team. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> oh, what it, what is it like? The New Zealand Warriors are calling ref. What is what is it about? Like, we got we what got goes a... around. What goes around comes around. What goes around comes around. Like, oh, Justin Timberlake, bro. Like it's. It's, you know, ebbs and flows, man. Ebbs and flows the game. Uh, Steffi, I've just seen Angus Gardner as the ref for tonight's game. Uh, that's the Crusaders. They'll lose. <laughs> two, two, two <laughs> ones at your refs. Man, how are Australian refs on top? Oh, mind you, it's a lottery, really. Look, I, I don't like bagging refs, but no, I don't um, it's just as long as, like we've said, we've uh, unfortunately we've spoken about this at a nauseam, right? Like where as long as they're consistent, man, and they're all the same, mm. like – and that's always been a challenge for rugby union is the, the different interpretations from different countries. And, you know, the, the day we get that right is the day I think the game will flourish even more, mm. um, particularly on an international level. And it's, it's if anything, is going to be evident in this Rugby World Cup this year, right? Um, because when, when you hear nothing from the referee all game, that's the best game. Right, that's the best game, and hopefully that's going to happen this weekend. For JP, from Mikey, uh, <laughs> the Reds last week showed a kink in the impressive Chiefs' armour with their tactical kicking game. Do you think the Brumbies have taken note and will use this strategy? Oh, look, I think they showed another kink, right, earlier in the year. Like, and they would have had a lot of confidence going into that game in terms of you know, being the underdog. Um, having gone over to, to to New Zealand earlier in the in the round robins and and beat the Chiefs and I, look, I, what look they have been the best side the Chiefs undoubtedly and you know if you stick to form the Chiefs but the one thing in that game and I, I said that after well we didn't actually get to review that because you conveniently 
missed me that weekend after ching, the Reds. Ching, ching. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I've got to take that cash. Um, the one thing I the one thing I wanted to say about that earlier game, like in look, was was the decision making and how the Reds applied the pressure for the Chiefs to make poor decisions. And when you look at the side, yes, of course, the Chiefs do have some experienced forwards. And yes, obviously Leonard Brown coming back in the back line. But even with that amazing back three some of the decision-making in that game was really, really poor. Like, they either kicked when they should have passed, they either passed when they should have kicked. And I think when it comes to semi-final footy and what the Brumbies do incredibly well is they put pressure on decision-making, and that's where they're going to win it. Like, I think – because when you look at the, you know, the, the teams and the lineups. Um, really, you can flip a coin on any given day, right? Obviously, home advantage is going to be huge for the Chiefs. But I just really think that if in those crunch decisions, um, particularly with with the the inexperience of the of the Chiefs back three, um, but have also been obviously arguably the best back three in the competition. My God, the tries they've scored have been phenomenal. But I just think if if they can keep it tight. Um, and they can and they can sort of have that game game plan of game B and go, and put game plan of, of C as well, where they start to put pressure and they apply scoreboard pressure. They could put a bit of they, they could they could see this this young chief side in terms of that experience, um, make some poor decisions, and I think that's where the Brumbies will try to aim this weekend. So, so you know, teams don't change their. Um, their trademark, their culture, and I think that's why the Brumbies have been, um, you know, one of, if not the top Australian rugby team, most most Super Rugby years. So take us inside the dressing room. What you think the messaging? Because you played with Larkham, and he's the head coach now. So they're in their dressing room. They're under the main stand at Waikato Stadium. They're taking on the team that's been the best all year in front of their home crowd. One versus four. There wouldn't be a lot of messages, I think, from Larkin. What, what do you think that last five minutes will sound like? Oh, mate, the one and only one message. Just do your job. Like, in my career, I was so fortunate to have some incredible speakers. Like, we had, we had the great Shane Warne, um, Steve Waugh, Michael Voss, who was the captain of the um, Brisbane Lions uh, AFL when they won the three-peat. They all said... the the same thing that's always stuck to me throughout my entire career. And whenever I talk to, you know, whenever I go and do coaching, you know, particularly with kids, just do your job. Like every single one of them, when they were talking, they'll say, they each said to each other, like as a captain said to their teammates, all you need to do is do your job. Cause see if they do their job and then they're able to get over the top of their opposition in terms of their job collectively as a team, they will always win. Like, and this is the simplicity of, of footy and this is the simplicity of semi-finals footy. And that's what I was alluding to a little bit earlier in terms of pressure is because you want to go in and you want to play exactly the same. Now, the Chiefs have been flamboyant all year. Right? They've, some of their tries have just been extraordinary. But what happens in semi-finals footy is everything starts to tighten up, really tightens up. And that's that decision-making. And that's not doing your job. And so, when like every Rugby World Cup, 
you know, you, you see the, the level of footy. Yes, it's intense, but as it starts to get to quarterfinal knockout stages, the games actually become, you know, <laughs> pretty crappy. Like, don't you reckon? Like, when yeah. you actually watch them, they're not, like, they're not this free-flowing attacking style because people are too scared. Like, they're too scared to do that. And that's where I was getting at with regards to the pressure is that when things start to get really tight, it's that decision-making of backing yourself or do I make a different decision? And and that's where pressure is this massive equaliser when it comes to finals footy because there's just so much more on the line. But that's the simple message, bro. Just do your job. If everyone individually does their job, and they can pick up a little bit of slack in other areas like that X factor stuff, predominantly they'll win the game. So that made very simple message. Have a look at the uh, Crusaders and Blues game. Um, like Crusaders, incredible record, super rugby. 28 uh, and 0. Yeah. 28 and 0. At home. Like, wow. <laughs> wow. How wow. much of that? And let's not forget Razor, man. Razor's yep. leaving as well, right? So. But all, all of that stuff in the past doesn't take part in on the field this weekend. All of those former that they are history, and this is now. I'm just wondering how much of a hurdle was that in the back of their mind? Don't even know it's there, lodged in the back of the the experienced Blues players. You know, Bowden Barrett and and the guys that have had a truckload of games. Think just thinking, running out onto that freezing cold Christchurch pitch, like on paper. I think the Blues should win, but historically, the Crusaders should win. It's 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 coin flip. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's 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 funny, right? Every player will always say, "Nah, it doesn't affect us." You know, records are meant to be broken. Cliche after cliche, but I don't know, man. Have you ever been to Wallaby going to Eden Park? <laughs> <laughs> I have. <laughs> I have. Um, yeah, look, you, you try to escape it, and but you can't. Um, but it, it's actually it's 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 really nothing to do with the Blues. It's the Crusaders, and it's their record, and it's and it's their burden to carry. But what a wonderful burden to have because you actually also feel invincible. Like you feel because your past players and what past teams have done is what is your inspiration to go out there and, and who you're representing, not just your team, but your community and your fans. And that's actually one thing I've always, like, just a side note here, whenever you hear fans and they go, oh, they never put it in and, you know, like their culture's rubbish and stuff, the one thing I can guarantee every single listener is that every single rugby player goes out and plays for their fans because there's actually really nothing cooler than having a kid come up to you and ask you to sign your autograph. Like, I mean, even still now, like, you know, when people go, oh, you, like, I'll be ringing someone, like, in business, and they'll go, oh, isn't it funny that you've got the same name as a rugby player? And I go, no, no, that's me. And it's like, it's it's such a privilege. Like, it's such a privilege. And, and, and obviously that's, like, magnified by a million times when you're a player. And being a crusader and having that culture drilled into you and what previous teams have done, oh, it's a, it is an uphill battle for the Blues because, like, quite frankly, they've also been disappointing this year, bro. Like, really. When you think about when we had this discussion at the start of the year, I was like, Blues are my team, man. Like, because you, you, the, last year I thought this was – like, they were close last year, right? And I thought going off last year, the loss, 
you know, that one year experience, having everyone underneath, like together again, you know, the likes of Papali, like, and how he went on the end of season two. I, I really thought the Blues would have clicked a hell of a lot earlier, but I, I just haven't seen them click. Like, they have not put a polished performance together, in a, in, like, consistently. And going into finals, you need two to three good performances leading in. So, and we saw what happened in the last round, Robin, right? Like, the, like wow. Obviously, probably got sent off, but the Crusaders, they looked extraordinary against the Drua last week. And they just, it's, it's finals footy, man. They just click in. And I just... If the Blues were in better form, yes, I could definitely, I could definitely see an upset. But I mean, look, looking at their side, wow, they're just littered with All Blacks, right? But um, mate, I just, I just can't see it happening, mate. Like, I really can't. I just think the Crusaders are, yeah, just too good at home and and the way that they're playing. And I just see a Crusaders Brumbies final. Crusaders. <laughs> <laughs> he sit, he sinned without laughing. <laughs> now I'm going. I'm going to forewarn you. I am not here next Friday. So, and it's not because the Brumbies beat the Chiefs. Okay, I'm just saying that right now. I am not here next yeah, sure. Friday. Yeah, but, no, 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 sure, man. No, 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 sure. Yeah, no, I get that. I like that, though. I like that. But would you, I won't be here either. I won't be here either if the, if the Brumbies lose. There you go. Uh, well, but if the Brumbies win, would you like me to be your agent on the ground in New Zealand and see if I can get you a couple of speaking gigs in uh, Christchurch in the build-up to the final? Bro, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Yeah. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. All right, Stafford Paul Enterprises, it's underway. Yes, there it is. Actually, bro, Bledisloe Cup coming up, man. Let's go. Dunedin. <laughs> Whoa. Oh. Whoa. Um, oh, very quickly, we can't sign off without a talk about Origin next Wednesday. Wow. Isn't it incredible? Like, it's and it's been like this for 30-odd years for as long as the state of origin. The blues on paper. Blues on paper. But that Queensland spirit on how they won that first game, Wow. And they are just sitting pretty, aren't they? Like with Latrell Mitchell pulling out. Um, their selections, Mitchell Moses coming in. Wow, Nico Hines, that poor bugger. Like, <laughs> well, I don't know what else you need to do to get an origin call up. Like, we're not talking about the best player at the Sharks. We're talking about the best player in the competition and has dominated games. And look, he did have a poor game against, um, against the Storm, but... I look at that as going, well, put him into origin because he deserves this spot. He's going to come out and have a cracker. Mm. Like, he's going to come out and have an absolute cracker. And I think, look, Mitchell Moses, like, to his credit, he's matured. He played in last year's grand final. He's been in a couple of bigger games. So, yeah, look, that was the right call. Um, but I, I feel for Nico Hines. But I, I just don't like – I've been in, in many sides before leading into games where – You've had your best players sort of sitting on the sidelines, recovering from injuries, and it's just trying to do training, trying just to get those those last finer points, just down the pad, get a bit of confidence going into that game. It's really difficult. It's really, really difficult. Queensland must be just sitting there and playing at Suncorp. Are you kidding me? Wow. Like, God, it could almost be 3-0, really. Mm. Like, if they win 2-0... They went 2-0. Actually, quick story. When the boys won 2-0, this was, oh, God, 10 years ago, um, Todd O'Keffe and I were, Todd O'Keffe and myself were out in Brisbane 
went for a couple of beers and we're in this pub and then all of a sudden the entire Queensland State of Origin side walk in and they were up 2-0. So they were playing, I think it was a, a Thursday and they were playing next Wednesday and they were like, whatever, man, we've already won. And uh, so they were having a big drink and I remember I was like, oh, well, you know, just catching up with all the boys and saying g'day and then Toto and I went to exit out the sort of side door and because they were all getting on the bus to go to the next pub and and I went to go down the side and Mel Meninga came out and he, he one of the biggest men I've ever seen, right, stands in front of me and says, get on the effing bus. And I said, what? So, oh, no, no, I said, get on the bus. <laughs> and I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> I was straight on the bus like I was just – I ended up drinking with the Queensland State of Origin team all night. It was like one of the classic nights, man. They just – oh, they were just – but you could see their mateship. like that, And they – and imagine being underdogs like and always thought of as being a lower-class team in comparison on paper when you've had the results that they've had. Like I – yeah, I just I can't see Queensland losing and going into this. It could actually be three 0 So yeah, man, it's it's how the how it's all flipped. It's I thought New South Wales were a great chance in game one, and now looking down the barrel of a three nil whitewash. Mm. All right, JP, uh, have a great weekend. One final thing: up the Chiefs. Hey, up the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I win either way, man. Not a white hair boy here, bro. <laughs> Awesome, mate. We'll catch you next time. Cheers, bro. See you, mate. The Jeremy Paul Show brought to you every week with a big thanks to Jeremy Paul. Jeff Goldie-Wilson after the break. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Well, Sky have made it very simple this weekend. All you need to remember is one thing. Six o'clock, Sky Sport 1. That's all you need to remember. Friday, Saturday, both semis. Easy. Easy. And at least one of the games, maybe two. The golden one, Jeff Goldie Wilson joins us. Goldie, with the final four, the right four, I believe. Um, well, a matter of inches, centimetres, decided <laughs> that. I mean, I'm not 100% sure... The best four teams have ended up there. Look, I don't think there was much between the Brumbies and the Hurricanes, but it certainly has brought a different level of interest, I think, to the weekend and certainly kept Australian rugby in the conversation. If you want Super Rugby to have a future going forward, you need them to be competitive. I mean, I think they've had a pretty good year, the Brumbies. They play a pretty good brand of rugby. They've scored um, some, some exciting tries during the year. Four teams, I think, here's the crazy thing. I think all four teams... They've got a chance to win this title. That might seem unlikely, but I think they've got a chance. Well, we just had Jeremy Paul on for the last 20 minutes, and um, he's thinking the Brumbies will have a game plan. And I, I've always thought, Jeff, with Stephen Larkham there, he's just, he's like a wizard. He, he, he's a savant of rugby, and he will bring something that maybe the Chiefs will have to adjust to. They're not just going to bring their, bring their normal game, I don't think, and, and they're going to have to change things up. Stephen Larkin's a, a, a clearly a better coach second time round with the Brumbies. He's mm. come back, and this team is well-prepared. They're well-selected. They've got a lot more balance to their game. They're certainly uh, more dangerous, I believe, on the outside channel than they've been for a long, long time. They've got some really good uh, players on the outside who are doing some nice things for them. But one thing about them is they're really accurate and, for the most part, really disciplined. But they're coming up against it. This is, this is a Chiefs team at home. They've been really, really good. And... 
as much as people saying they were unconvincing last week, you know, I thought it was actually a really important performance for them. And, and there's been a lot of talk about during the week that they'll be better for that. Um, this is a big ask for the Brumbies. I, I don't, I don't see them being up, able to get over the top of this Chiefs team at home. So, look, the big ones tonight, though, right? I mean, this, let's be honest. I mean, where this is, this thing's been building and has built over the last three or four years in terms of a rivalry. Mm. And if the Blues are ever, Staffy, if they're ever going to beat the Crusaders, it's going to be tonight. I think this is the one massive opportunity that's been presented to them through injuries, and now this is their big chance. Yeah, and I put that to Jeremy. I don't want to bore people with the same sort of questions, but I just said, when you get like experienced players in in the Blues, like like Offer, like Nipo, um, even Akira and Rico and Bodie Barrett in particular, going down to Christchurch again in a playoff um, where Crusaders don't get beat, how much of a mental toll does that take, or how much? can that be offset by knowing the likes of Sam Whitelock, Ethan Blackadder, uh, all the others aren't there? Look, it's a great question. And, and I, I, I look at these two sides and I've studied them on paper and you know, I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm, I'm just working the game tomorrow night. I'm watching this game tonight. And I, I, can't, I can't think that, for me, I look at the two teams and I go, if you're ever wanting to make a statement, if you're the Blues in terms of your performance, is Dalton Papali, it's Akira Iwani, and it's Hoskins Satutu. Mm. Because those three guys are incumbent All Blacks. Not starting All Blacks, but incumbent All Blacks. And they haven't probably dominated the way they need to to beat the Crusaders. And ultimately, they're going to get that opportunity. Don't get me wrong, um, Christian Lila Willis had a fantastic season. But he's, he's a young, inexperienced guy. So there are areas that they should take Great confidence going into this game. And look, let's be, be honest as well. There's two first fives out there who are forever going to be <laughs> in the same conversation. They're competing with each other and going to be playing with each other once again And when we hear their names read out on Sunday. And, and for Richie Moonga and Bowden Barrett, this game will just add or take away from their legacies. I want to talk to you about uh, Sunday, actually. Uh, it's live on the breakdown. You're going to break it to us nationwide. It's probably going to be the highest rating ever breakdown. I think this is a great coup for New Zealand rugby and you guys on the breakdown. Sky Sport 1, 7.30. Just just cool your jets, Goldie. We're going to take a two-minute news and sport update. I want to come back and I want to look deep into the Wilson crystal ball. Okay? So you just hang on there. Right on, mate. The first Ashes cricket test starts tonight at Edgebaston in the UK. Catch live commentary from 9 o'clock on SENZ. We're rejoining Jeff Goldie-Wilson. Um, the All Blacks are going to be named Sky Sport 1, 7.30 on the breakdown. Um, I don't know. Are, are you the breakdown's Dame Patsy ready, Jeff Wilson? Say again? Uh, are, are you reading it on the breakdown or is the rugby union reading it on the breakdown? No, I think we'll be hearing from Dane Patsy Reddy and um, Ian Foster straight away from the... It's coming to you from the Te Awamutu uh, Rugby Club. So we'll be in the studio, but Kirsty Stanway will be down there. And, and uh, so it's coming from them. And then basically we'll just continue to go back and forward and look at what's a remarkable, remarkable, um, I suppose, selection as we get closer to the Rugby World Cup, you know. And what are they going to do in this first 36 of the year? And with all of the banged up players that are out there, who's going to make the squad? And... Uh, how much of staff, I'm fascinated to hear how many of these new players, if there are going to be new players, 
have been in form will get their opportunity to push for a World Cup spot. Do you think, yeah, taking up on that, do you think Ian Foster's going to use um, this early campaign to maybe have a look at um, people like Amoni Narua, like Zan Sullivan, like a whole bunch of them might make it at the expense of experienced All Blacks, older All Blacks. Uh, I'm looking at you, Dane Coles, who's just a brilliant player, but we don't need to see you anymore. Do you think he might use that as an opportunity? Yeah, I think the, the benefit of having the All Blacks 15 playing as well for the first couple of weeks is, the, is at the same time as the Rugby Championship achieves exactly what you're talking about. If this guy's that, and I'm thinking particularly maybe at halfback mm. um, where they'll take a Cam Roy guard because they know about um, uh, Finlay Christie and they know about Brad Weber. So keep them playing rugby um, for the All Blacks 15 and, and bring them back in if you need to. I think they will do that. But, but ultimately, I don't know how many squads I've written down the last three weeks, Steffi. <laughs> you know? <laughs> how oh. many go, I go to, every week we go to the breakdown and we sit in the green room and has my team changed from last week? So you start going, you know, six props, three hookers. You start getting to this point and to that, to that where you're looking at the maybe numbers 32 to 36, those four guys that are the new guys that they want to have a look at and who are they going to be and how are you going to see them play? I just don't see them being able to, to mix too much with what they've already used and selected in the past. They're not going to make wholesale changes to starting lineups. A lot of this is, though, going to come around to, I believe, you know, how, how confident they are that Sam Whitelock is going to recover, not only in the short term, but in the long term from an Achilles niggle, which anyone who's had one of those knows um, that, can, that, can really, that can really hang around and linger. And that flips where, what the role Scott Barrett plays in your, your rugby team. Um, does he become a full-time lock or does he become a six lock or a lock six? And that just opens up so many more possibilities. So there's some information they'll be having to deal with, some uncertainties where they'll have to have contingency plans. And one of the good problems I think Fozzie's got is the return and the brilliant form of Anton Leonard-Brown and the recent return and building form of Jack Goodhue. Um, we've already seen Geordie Barrett uh, has started in 12. I've always thought he's a better fullback than 12, but maybe that's just me. Really interesting midfield selections coming Sunday. Oh, yeah, massively. And look, I'll throw another name at you. Um, and we all know he's hitting offshore, uh, but of course we're waiting on the return of David Habili, who's got a, a, an injury which he won't be ready for the rugby championship. Um, you know, this is a, a significant hamstring. So I'm going to throw a name at you. And Alex Nankerville um, could be a guy who they might want to look at, or I would keep an eye on the fact he's got great versatility, can play second five centre or wing. Um, you know, I, I think they're looking for uh, the, the type of player that he is. He's got a really nice skill set. There's a lot of things he does. He's a very smart player, great, great footwork. Um, but you're right. I think Anton Leonard-Brown has given them some real options now, some real confidence, and I think some flexibility around where, you know, Rico Yuani could impact the game in different positions, whether it's... I think he's had a really good last couple of weeks in centre. He started looking really strongly, but it just it gives them some more firepower, whether it be starting or off the bench. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Anton Leonard-Brown has been in his best form for a while. Yep. Well, you're guaranteed to have one viewer. That's me. I guarantee I'll be watching 7.30 <laughs> Sunday. Goldie, can't wait can't for it. Wait. Sky Sport 1, 7.30 Sunday, the breakdown. And both semi-finals, 6 o'clock, Sky Sport 1. Goldie, thanks heaps for your time. An exciting few days ahead. Always a pleasure, Steffi. Keep up the great work. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Jeff, Goldie, Wilson there. There's just so many conversations that can be had. Um, hi, Steffi.
And Sam, Levi Almur could be a real bolter. Yes, he could. Glenn, yes, he could. And quickly, one more. Uh, Craig says, listening to Jeremy Paul makes you realise how simple rugby is. Just do your job. It is so true. And thinking about it, any player only has to make a decision on three things. Only three. Do I run? Do I pass? Or do I kick? They are the only options. Keep it simple and come on the blues. Love from Craig. Fantastic. We are going to take a break and every Friday at this time we cross over to Australia and we talk to Jimmy Smith. That's what we're going to do. Through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. So both Rory and Dustin Johnson bogeyed the last. Still in good positions, though. We're heading across to Australia because uh, bang on time will be Jimmy Smith because Coach K's back in the chair. Hey, look at that. Look at that. How are you, Staffy? Coach K's got you on time. What a champion. <laughs> Better than two-buck chuck or whatever the other guy is. <laughs> Mate, he runs a tight ship. I mean, Coach K, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Yes. Yeah. Um, hey, our talk topic for today, buddy. Mm-hmm. Late withdrawals. Latrell Mitchell's now pulled out of the last two State of Origin games, but late late withdrawals. So do you have a nomination? Do you want one from one of our listeners? Yes. G'day, Jimmy. Late withdrawal. Glenn McGrath rolling his ankle in the warm-up yes. for the first test at Lords 2005 Ashes. That's from Michael. I've got one that just sprung to mind straight away. Um, yes. 1995 Rugby World Cup. 13 oh. of the All Blacks poisoned and late withdrawals. Did, now, did they all pull out of the match or did they play sick? They play, Well, they got – it was basically the 15 healthiest. It was the 15 health. So there were four weren't going to make the team, but they didn't eat with the rest of the team because they, were the, they weren't in the 22 as it was back then. So they went somewhere else on their own. They ended up starting. Uh, Jeff Wilson, who we just had on the show just now, he's told me about he was throwing up in the tunnel before they ran out. That's how crook they were. Now, had that been proven that it was actually very deliberate? Oh, mate, it's one of the greatest um, conspiracies in New Zealand that there was... Susie was the waitress at the hotel in South Africa. Um, so it's always the Susie the Waitress World Cup for New Zealand. We were the best team at the World Cup, the crookest. And um, Mertz had a couple of shots and extra time, etc. at uh, field goals. Didn't get them. Stransky oh, got it. We lost the World Cup. I know Mertz. I've had the great privilege of seeing him speak and, and know him. Uh, are they shot, shots at goal or a couple of uh, tequila shots? <laughs> Mertz is one of the great humans. Well, he's a champion. Isn't he? He's an out-and-out champion, yeah. Uh, very good. Hey, mate, mm. um, we've got the Ashes starting, so it's huge for us. Is it? Does it anything over there? Oh, look, uh, it's definitely not as huge over here, but it is big. It's, it's probably not as big as Origin. Origin is massive here, but it's certainly bigger in that Brennan McCullum has changed the face of, of cricket. Um, the baseball, will it work, won't it? Steve Smith's saying it won't work. Um, I said to a guy yesterday, in rugby, when the All Blacks aren't playing, we cheer whoever's playing England, uh, and in cricket, we cheer for whoever's playing Australia. Now, that might just be friendly rivalry, or we just yes. don't like the weirdos in your team. Um, just the... Whoa, 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 hang on. Hang mm, on. Mm. Who are the weirdos in our team? Oh, come on, you know. Come on, who? You name them, though. The Twitcher, 
who's just he, like the Rafael Nadal of Test cricket, Steve Smith. Yes. Davy Warner, who does calisthenics when he scores a club cricket hundred. Uh, yes. Hey, well, at least he doesn't only bless himself when playing for Australia. Yeah, well, we've we've only got about four minutes left, and you've got about thirty cricketers that I could just reel off, but um, we'll stop there. But um, no, look, really high anticipation here, and of course we've got the commentary alongside you guys. I'd imagine uh, ball yes. by ball, ten o'clock tonight, it gets underway. I'm just intrigued. I, I think the anticipation. We've spoken to a couple out of England uh, this week. They're very excited, and they said. The mood around cricket fans has changed so much since Brendan McCullum arrived. It's more relaxed. It's a bit more jovial. And I always remember, what, I think it was the first Test match Brendan McCullum was in charge. He walked out onto, I think it was it was either the Oval or Lords, wearing rugby shorts and thongs. Right. <laughs> and it was just like, hey, guys, hey, guys. And he, he went in there and he said, who likes meetings? No one likes meetings. We'll get rid of those. How do you do you know this guy very well socially? No, I just play cricket with him. Right, we're playing golf. And he's yeah, just taken yeah. all the official and he's going, I want you, if you go out court, I don't want you caught in the slips, I want you caught on the boundary. Go hit it. And it's just so refreshing. So that, I, I did a podcast with Brad Haddon, uh, former Australian test cricketer, one of the favourites of New Zealand from, from memory. But anyway, that's a separate issue. He talked about Brendan McCullum and he said, well, everyone's saying, well, you know, what's their fallback position, plan A, if Basball doesn't work? And he said, knowing Brendan as he do, his message will be, go harder. Go harder. Yep, yeah. that, that is exactly it. Like he'll say, like, we're 35 for five, up the run rate. <laughs> yeah. well, well, he's saying, what brings you undone at that level is, oh, no, I start second-guessing myself. No, I'm filling you with so much confidence Keep going hard. Mm. Keep going hard at the ball. You'll, mm. you'll get there. We'll crash through. Um, which means we're going to have some absolutely fascinating cricket coming up over the next six weeks. What about the, the Origin game, mate? Um, New South Wales, they can still win. I've convinced myself they can still win without Latrell. Mate, that's what Coco Magic does. It makes you hallucinate <laughs> a little bit. Just just a little bit. makes you believe in yourself. Did you ring Brendan and say, can the Blues win next week? Yeah, of course you can. You've got to believe. That's right. That's right. Brendan th- would have said, yeah, of course they can. I actually think the adversity might serve the Blues well. Like, you know, can you imagine the team talk, no one says we can do it. They all think we should have picked him and they, we've had injuries deluxe. We'll go out there in the face of, of fire at the home of the Maroons and we'll give them a taste of New South Wales. But the problem, my only issue with that is that if there was that one guy that you know, if he asked the team to follow and, and he drags them with him, that's Latrell Mitchell. Mm. Anyway, we'll find a way. Now, what about Super Rugby? We've got the, the Brumbies and the Chiefs. Are, are the Brumbies any hope? Look, I think they are. I think with Stephen Larkham at the helm, one of the great rugby minds, we had Jeremy. We have Jeremy Paul on every yeah. Friday, um, and he, you know, he says it'll be a huge upset, but he, you can give them a chance. They've played well. They, they can stick to game plans. They've got a good kicking game. Got a really good set piece. That's probably enough rugby for you, isn't it, Jimmy? So Chiefs yeah. by thirty. Chiefs, Chiefs by thirty. By 30. <laughs> what about Crusaders Blues? And I'm thinking about. When do the Warriors have to finalise their squad of 30 for this year? Um, we've got, I think they've said we're looking at adding one more, Sammy Hewitt. Is it I one think more? Cappy on Smithy's show yesterday or the day before said they've got a couple of spots left. Mm. So and, and he did throw a little line in there. He said, we've got a couple of tricks we can do to, to uh, manipulate the salary cap as well, which made everyone go, oh, hold on. So one trick hold we're on. thinking, one trick we're thinking is, 
Roger Tuivasa-Sheck's getting splinters in his ass at the moment at the Blues and not even making the um, – they're splinters from the grandstand, not even from the reserves bench. I think I remember from way, way back, if he doesn't make the All Blacks, which are named on Sunday, he can leave. So um, he could be back in a Warriors jersey um, End of this year. in a couple of weeks. How good. Mm. Hey, here's the other thing. Um, we spoke to him on Monday. He wanted an update. How are you going with your petition with Tohu? Look, I texted you, Jimmy, and I said yeah. he made me sign a non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> oh, come on. Madge, Madge is very keen. I, I ran through his stats for that game against Canberra. And I just said, who is this player? He went, Torhu. <laughs> uh, one last thing. I know we do have to go. Do you know who leading Australasian at the US Open golf is? Uh, Grant Fox's son. Ryan, the only New Zealander, tied 14. Thank you very hard. Uh, thank you. Just to remind you, Staffy, they don't hand out any trophies after the first round. That's right. That's right. Just a progress report, Jimmy. Just a progress uh, report. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Staffy. Hmm. That was Staffy and the crew over there. <laughs> My kids do that all the time to me on the phone, so I just thought I'd do it to Staffy. Thanks, mate. Up, up the Maroons. Um, we'll take a quick break and we'll get out of here. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Here's what happened back in the day. 1996, Michael Jordan became the first player to win the NBA Finals MVP four times when he led the Chicago Bulls to an 87-75 win over the Supersonics in Game 6 in Seattle. And on this day in 2008, Tiger Woods won the US Open on a 19th hole playoff over Rocco Mediate at Torrey Pines. Rocco Mediate near San Diego for his 14th career major title. Birthdays today turning 62 Oh, Peter Sterling. Sterling. Stepping up the middle. Sterling. Still going, Peter Sterling. Great run. He wasn't tackled, said McCallum. Who's going to argue the point? The Broncos look stunned. The little halfback's got the try. They might win it. Everyone's on their feet. Oh, Graham Hughes, I think. Uh, also, Phil Mickelson turns 52. Henry Perinara, former Warrior and referee, 42. And 27, Akira Ioane. On this day in 1985, beautiful movie called Rambo. And the number one song... take a week off Sammy and others will take you through the next week thanks for everything this week Sammy I think the Blues are going to win